Hi, this is Michael. And this is Lisa. Welcome to the PowerView podcast. Raw talk. For real people. Our volition is to make sense of our world. Join us as we navigate issues to optimize the power of you. Welcome. This is Michael Padraig Acton and the PowerView podcast, Raw Talk from Real People. I'll introduce my colleague, my co-conspirator, my friend, and uh, inspiration in many ways, Lisa Honigman. Hello, everyone. How are you? Welcome to our podcast, Power of You. And this is, this is episode one. This is number one. We're really excited to talk to you guys. So I'm going to open it up as we did with the intro, if you listen to the intro, um, this is all about success today. What is success in the 21st century? Because I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're interested. So what does it mean for all different people? What does it mean to be successful these days? And um, we're going to open up the subject, but I think Emerson, uh, over 100 years ago, wrote um, a, success, a success story. It's like a poem or a statement and I've had it as my mantra for the last 40, 50 years. I was very, very young. I was a teenager. Um, and this is Ralph Waldo Emerson's version of success. It's very short, but very poignant. To laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics, and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Now, some would argue and I'd be interested in hearing what Lisa has to say about this. I may this. argue. Some would argue that now it's about a wad of cash, a big diamond ring, the hair color, et cetera, et cetera, the car you drive, the house you live in. What is the 21st century doing to us, especially our young and influenced? I mean, when I'm talking this, a big bottom comes into mind of the Kardashians, because I think that the Kardashians are really giving us a bad example of what success is. Well, you're talking to someone that follows the Kardashians a lot. Yes, I'm guilty of it. I watch their reality show on E! however many seasons, thousands of seasons, and I just started watching their Hulu, um, the beginning of their second show on Hulu, which, by the way, if you listen to it, it's very different, and it's produced differently than the, the E! version when they were on E, but it's a huge problem, Michael. The, you don't like watching them? I find them interesting because of what they present and how I think it, it conflicts with general society and what most people believe I have to, I have is to, successful. I'm going to stop you there, Lisa, because I have to say that I really am envious of Kim Kardashian. I, I, I think Kim? She, I think she's amazing. And mainly because I have to carry a cushion around with me to sit on a hard bench with where she's oh. got it built in. Yeah, you don't have to. She doesn't no. have that problem. Gosh. Her sister doesn't either, Chloe. She doesn't have that either. But I, I mean, is it real? I mean, come on. That's kind of the question that's been going on doesn't for a really long time. doesn't matter. My cushion's not real. Yours, you'd have to walk around with an actual seat cushion, like yes. on a couch in your pants. I'm European. We don't have bums. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. 
But let's go back to the Kardashians for a minute. Or success. Or success. I don't necessarily think they are a definition of success. I think they have all kinds of problems. Personal problems, money problems, image problems. I mean, we could talk about this all day. I mean, just the simple fact that Khloe Kardashian on Instagram every other day is getting slammed because everybody keeps saying that she's altering her image, you know, with filters and posting all kinds of photos of her family that just aren't real. They're not real pictures. But when you break it down to what does success mean? I believe, Michael, it depends on the person. It also depends on your stage in life. It also depends on your age. And it depends on how you were raised. Because everyone has a different version of what true success means to them. And it can change. I, I, I work in family trauma. And when people present to me, they, they pretty much are going through a cathartic change in their life. There's something big happening. And along with that goes their idea of success. What they may have found successful beforehand may have completely changed. I mean... And we're talking about things like losing a child or having some kind of a, a, a trauma and stress-related issues. Um, yeah, when, when life comes and slaps us in the face, it, it changes our perspective, our meaning. And I think it should, though. We shouldn't have a stagnant definition in our brain of, oh, of what success is. It should change because your life path changes all the time. How many people do you know, Michael, that started their let's say, started their profession and continued in the same manner with zero changes for years and years and years. Oh, Prince Charles, that's easy. Oh, <laughs> there you go. Well, that was probably... Sorry, Charlie. A, li a, li a little different. I mean, he kind of had to fill a box, right? He had to step in the shoes well, it's of interesting. I box. mean, it, you know, he, he found his love in the end, which is great. But um, as far as success, yes, I mean, I'm playing with you, Prince Charles. Please don't take offense. Um, but no, he got his own brand going. He was very thoughtful about architecture. He was very thoughtful about people. And he fell in love with somebody that wasn't available when he was very young and always loved her. And it's a romance story. Um, and unfortunately, Princess Diana was part of the, the trauma in that. But look at her for success. She went from a very privileged background but motherless, mum left, people don't realize that, mum left home, left her behind with dad, and she She was raised to, by she, her father? Yeah, and she had to struggle. She, she, I mean, okay, she's privileged background, but she had to struggle emotionally, and then she gets married to a man that's not available and goes through all that trauma and heartbreak, and, um, of course, the eating disorder was a result of that, and then she found her own version of success. She, she's got a big heart, well, she had a big heart, and she had two beautiful boys, and she found meaning and passion. And people don't realize this also. She was in therapy. She didn't just come up with this stuff. She actually really did a lot of personal reflection, introspection, a lot of hard work so she could find her passion, which was to help people. She used her image to bring good to everybody. And that, that was amazing. And we'll have that forever. You know, her legacy always. will live on, yes. always no matter what situation. But to go back to your original question, you, you bring up the whole concept of the Kardashians. 21st century is different. I feel like the, the, the motivating factors in our society can be very damaging 
to young people, even to, you know, we call them the millennials, you know, out of college trying to figure out their way in life, you know, what profession they're going to go into. Are they going to go to college? Are they going to be a self-made entrepreneur? But they don't understand necessarily, and they're sometimes searching for what that real meaning of success is. I think it also depends on our benchmark in life. I'm sure the, the, the listeners to this, you might be thinking now, well, what's success to me? I mean, it, it depends on where we started from. You know, if we didn't have very much and we've accumulated, that's success in many ways. But if we start off with a huge amount of wealth or a huge amount of access or privilege, what is success to us? Is it the same or is it different? What do we do with that? Well, that's what I was saying about it going back and forth depending on your stage in life. I mean, if I look back to when I was in college, what would make me successful? Just getting through college made me successful in my brain. I just wanted to get through college. I had a blast. I had a lot of fun, made a lot of friends, made some connections in college that I still have to this day that are amazing friendships. But I just wanted to graduate. You know, I just wanted to get that degree. It wasn't until I really got into my law school career where I realized I want to be a successful attorney and I want to help people. And the success of being an attorney wasn't just getting that law degree and walking into a courtroom with my briefcase for the first time, but it was actually being successful in my career and being able to help people. But you had the vision. I think that's what we have to do. To be successful, we have to work out what our real vision is. It's got to be truth. Agreed. The, yeah, the, I agree with the that. The shamans in Australia taught me that if you fire out the truth on a boomerang, you never worry about what's going to come back because it's your truth. And the same with goal setting in life and leadership. We have to, we have to understand first, before we take steps, what is our truth? What is our, our passion in life? What, where do we want to go? How do we make that passion into a vision that's attainable? Well, I believe that it also depends on who is influencing you growing up. Because there are some people that create a vision just on their own. They have ideas, they have inspirations, and they're able to come up with that vision themselves. I'm sure Michael, you, and I'm sure listeners, the listeners as well, have friends or family members that are still searching for that vision. Some, I mean, I have friends that are in their 60s, and they're still searching for their vision. What do they want to be in this life? What do they want to make their legacy? What is important to them in life? And they're searching and searching. So I also find that to create that vision, how were you raised? Who was around you when you were growing up? What factors were important to you as a child? That certainly forms a basis for whether or not you can A, make a vision, and B, follow through with your vision. You're looking at me weird. You don't agree? I am not sure. I became a teacher to, because I thought it was a wor wor worthy profession. Um, I wasn't a natural teacher. I did it really to get money and a roof over my head and to travel, which it did, but it wasn't my calling. And I was very fortunate to stumble across counseling, therapy, and psychology uh, a few years into teaching and change my whole career. Um, and that was my calling. I, I, I'm so grateful that I did that. Um, if, if you're listening to this and you think you might be on the wrong path and you haven't found your calling, it's really important to step back and have a pause, but there's practicalities too. Um, I'm self-made, I had no support growing up, I had no support 
uh, in my late teens. I started off living in a car at 17. And that's not a sob story. It's just that one, one morning I woke up freezing cold at three in the morning thinking, gosh, I've got complete choice over my life. And I made a difference. I, I started to take baby steps forward. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful that now 40 odd years later, I'm where I am. I'm very peaceful. But success to me comes in many different forms daily. And, and this isn't me trying to be woolly jacket and kind of white socks and sandals with you. You say woolly? But when, but when I feel I, like that's a British term. But when I, um, when I pay for my groceries in a store and I can afford it, that's success to me. Because that used to really scare me. Um, and I couldn't. I used to follow the people around in a store. Uh, I knew exactly what t- days they would mark food down because it's going out of date, etc. I would follow them and I would choose that food. I used to drink goat's milk like nobody's business because wow. it was all I could afford and wow. nobody else used to buy it. Nobody wanted that. And I don't know no, anybody but, that wants that oh, now. But goat, and I like goat's cheese. I like goat's milk even now. But back That's then... That's a good thing. You know, back then it was... So success can take many forms. It's not just about studying. It's not. It, it can sometimes be really small baby steps. You know, and, and you know, people with depression, anxiety, etc., the steps have to be even smaller in case they don't get the balance of moving forward and also remaining stable. So I, I think it's a bigger arena than sometimes we we understand, but we have to be mindful that, that every human is unique and we have to think about what can we do to take control of our lives? Because a lot of people don't do that. They allow That's a really other, good question. They allow other influences. So how do we take, how do we best take control? People go, go to your practice. Right. Family law is not where you go along and say, oh, I want something fluffy and nice and oh, no. this is a beautiful day. <laughs> it's usually some big, massive traumas going on yep. or an issue. So how do you get them to take back control in their life and find their new success? That's a really good question. I actually had this just come up this week. The first thing that you have to do with, in those kind of situations, and I find myself asking myself some of, some of the same questions, what makes you happy? What was the happy part of your life before you went through this traumatic circumstance that is leading you to potentially make the decision to get divorced or separate from a partner? You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a marriage. What, what were the portions of your life that made you happy? Chocolate ice cream. Chocolate ice cream. Is that because of the endorphins that you get from chocolate? It's simple. Maybe. But people don't know sometimes, Michael. They come in and they're looking at me and their faces are blank. You know, and they're just, they were, some of them are even shocked that I'm asking the question. But I say, think about a time when you were married um, or in this relationship with your partner and you were really happy. What did it look like to you? Tell me about it. And I want to know, Michael, I want to know what, what was it about that? And then when you're talking about getting control of your life again, how do we establish those same mm. points of happiness when you're not still with that partner or you're starting to go through the trauma of the breakup, which as you know, and can talk way more than me on an expert level about the whole breakup trauma. Cause that's Absolutely, because most people look at success in the 21st century as career, money, looks, and labels and cars but that that's the look i mean a car's all about what you look like you know right. what you're driving the image 
that's what the advertising does, labels, you know, what, what's your title, you know, what are you wearing, money, and career, what do you do? These are the, the usual go-tos for success, but when Lisa and I work in the world of trauma and change, it really does give a shake-up as to what we feel comfortable with or what we think, oh gosh, you know, that's, that's really good. I, I worked in a prison. My first teaching job was in a prison because it paid me double what you could earn in a school. And it was amazing that, that in there, people have made mistakes and, you know, usually the, 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 the mindful people that weren't caught were the people that were outside of the prison, the unlucky guys and girls were the people inside the prison and their whole idea of success had changed. It, it might be, I want to have my mum's por you know, porridge or, or oatmeal with the way she makes it with cinnamon and butter and, and, and just simple home things that they were missing, but also a new change in vision. I used to teach English, math, and computers in the prison, and sometimes they say, I want to really learn math because I, I want to get a job in the building trade, and I really never got got to grips with math and so I want to learn that and that's what I'm so it really changed it really that was a that was a very difficult time because I was very young to be teaching in a prison but it's also very very sure. eye-opening I really taught me a lot about people well and they they have nowhere to go I mean there's they're in there you know for whatever their sentence is for the most part they're in there so they have to figure it out you know they mm -hmm. there's no out as You're in there. As, a, as an ex-public prosecutor, what, what was your take on, on people that got caught and arrested and imprisoned? What, where, where were you with that and their success? Well, that's a very good question. We, as prosecutors, didn't really get to decide, you know, what the sentence would be. Obviously, we had a very strong opinion, you know, in certain courtrooms. Every judge had their own, you know, opinion about sentencing. But you make a recommendation as a prosecutor um, and you, you hope as a prosecutor that the, the, uh, the sentence fits the crime. You know, you don't want to be too much, too harsh. You don't want to be, you know, not harsh enough. So there's kind of a middle ground, you know, like a happy medium as far as what it should be. But the judge ultimately decides what, what the sentence is going to be. And assuming that you do prison and then you go to probation, you know, or you do parole, depending on, you know, the type of crime it is, I firmly believe then and I firmly believe now in rehabilitation. Just because you are doing the time, as they say, for the crime, doesn't necessarily mean that you should be punished forever for doing that. And people should be given an opportunity to rehabilitate themselves and learn from their mistakes and understand that, hey, if you're a repeat offender, and we called it in, in Broward County Rock Court, you kept repeating the same crime, your sentence would get increased and increased. But what about the people, like you're mentioning, that got caught, started mm. their time, and then when they got there, they had to get better. They had to figure out, how are you going to make it when you get out of these doors? And let's be mindful, it's only recently that we all did time. COVID locked us all up. We oh, all, yeah. That we was all, prison. It, it, <laughs> that was prison it, for it me. It really changed the world. It, cha it changed the world. We all of a sudden had to get out of our routines and we had these massive mirrors hung up in front of us saying well this is your life now yeah you cannot get out you cannot do this you cannot do that and yeah i i think i i personally think there was a huge wave of new things i mean you couldn't get a jigsaw puzzle during covid because everyone started to do jigsaw puzzles you couldn't even get a roll of toilet paper uh, well <laughs> 
well, that, that's a su- supply and demand, but I'm talking about positive success, happiness. Right, People I know. revisited what is happiness in success for me, and it could have been doing a jigsaw puzzle. It could have been playing Scrabble. I think families, okay, some families almost killed each other, but also families learned about each other. They had time to spend together. And just a walk in nature was more appreciated. I would agree with that. Rather than getting caught up with the the hamster wheel of life. Right, and the phones and electronics. So how do we find out what we like doing and what we should do to have enjoyment? I work out almost every morning. I work out an elliptical machine. And that gives me time to think, okay, what am I going to do that's nice for myself today? Oh, you what, have that what, conversation daily? What, what is my, yeah, what, I is, like my, that. what is my treat for myself? Because I, I, I'm pulled in several directions mostly. I'm, I'm calming down a little bit more now. But, um, yeah, I think, what, what, is my, what is my treat? What am I going to do? And it might be a dip in the ocean. It might be uh, something to eat special. It might be that I'm going to go to bed early. It, you know, it, it depends. Or it might, might be that yesterday I... I blasted out Greg Gig in the Sky by Pink Floyd. Oh, wow. And I just love that um, track. And I really bl- I blasted it out twice, actually. Two times? Yes, with wow. the gin and tonic in my hand. Nice. I really enjoyed it. And it's that, that was my treat. So I like that treat. I, I don't do that. I like that idea. Coming up with something every day, just something that's just for you. I, I think that's a great tip. I might have Sometimes to steal I don't. That. Life, life gets hold of me, so I can't say I do that every day, but it's a good practice. No, I think it's definitely a good practice. And when I'm dealing with my clients that have these types of issues and the people that are just lost, you know, I think for lack of a better term, lost, they, they don't even know what makes them happy. I try to focus on their family with them. And, you know, a lot of my cases are high conflict with children getting pulled in different directions. Sometimes there's abuse aspects to it. And I try to look at their kids, you know, and even though the relationship might be going south and the person might be better off without their partner, I tell them to look at their kids and I ask them to pull out their phone and let's look at their pictures of their kids or we'll talk about, you know, summer's coming up right now, you know, we're taping in May, summer's coming up, you know, do you have any cool plans for the summer for your kids or what kind of activity are your kids into? Now, obviously, babies, infants, newborns, that's not really an issue, but, you know, what kind of hobbies do your kids have? And you'd be, you'd be surprised to find out that, and I'm guilty of this as well, I think it's true, I find a lot of happiness in what makes my children happy. And sometimes when you flip the script from you personally and you talk about your kids, you see that light, you know, you see that light in their eyes and they change. We don't have much time left. I mean, we could talk about this for years, but it's important also to talk about what kills success for people. What, what stops people being successful? And I know that, you know, I, you know, <laughs> I come from quite a religious background and um, I've recently been thinking a lot about thou that cast the first stone better be without sin. And that, you know, please don't think I'm getting all religious on you. But that's a very important thing. We, we criticize and judge people. We're actually trained more in the 21st century to judge people. We have TV shows that are dedicated to criticism and judging people. That's true. And I think a lot of comedy we, shows. And if we set out to judge others and criticize others, I mean, it's an important part of life to judge and be critical. But if we do that too much or if we do it unfairly, what are we doing to ourselves? I mean... 
Are we bolstering ourselves up to believe we're successful by damning somebody else? I mean, what, what, kills, what kills the ability to be successful? I wholehearted answer to that, unequivocally, is surrounding yourself around toxic people. For me, that's it. Because you can have the best day and be in the best mood and feel like you've been as successful as you possibly could in a day, and you could get a text from someone that you thought was a close friend of yours, and that could ruin the whole day. So I think the killer of having success and being successful is not being supported by people that support you. Do you know what I believe I've observed for years and years and years? No, tell me. People who are fake. Tell us. People who are fake. People that aren't their true selves generally aren't successful because they're trying to be something they're not. Or they're searching and they don't know yet. So they're putting on different masks, if you will, of different personalities or images or who they think other people want them to be. How about that? Well, let's think about Mrs. Bouquet. Um, it's a British series, um, Keeping Up Appearances. And if you haven't seen it, it's very, very funny. It's an old, old series, but it's very, very much worth having a look at. So that's Mrs. Bouquet, and otherwise known as Bucket, and it's Keeping Up Appearances. And she, the whole show is about her conundrums and her funny things where she, she's trying to to be something that's elevated to an upper middle class situation and everything's put on for the appearance of success and wealth. And it's, it, it's just an enjoyable thing and also quite a sad thing because the producers and directors and writers of Keeping Up Appearances really did touch into her sadness so they did or they did not? They did. Oh. Although it was really funny and you, you, you know, she got up to all these different things, and, but it really touched on her sadness. Like her son, Sheridan, that used to call from university but never visit, always oh. called for money. Oh, jeez. And she said, oh, you know, Sheridan's knitting a new blanket. Never was he mentioned as gay, but would have been a disappointment. And, and it's, just, it's, it's just all these things were, were happening in the show. And I believe that if we accept people for who they are, correct people if they're bad to us, but not judge or criticize, I think that's a really good start. Well, Very difficult thing to do, but a good start. I mean, I think it's difficult as well. I I think about when you're saying that, just constructive criticism. You know, what does that mean? Constructive criticism is different, though. Well, that's what I'm thinking about, though, because you're saying don't judge others, don't criticize others, but sometimes we need that. You need that check. I mean, definitely in what I do, we need that check because sometimes... But I'm talking about toxic judgment, Oh, you're talking about toxic yeah. judgment. Okay. So in those situations, someone that's just doing it to make themselves feel better but have no real legitimate purpose to have a correction to the Being other fake. person. Being fake, Just yeah. phony and fake. Yeah. Well, it happens all the time. And you see it on TV. You see it on these reality shows. You see it, oh, you know. back to the Kardashians. In the news. You see it everywhere. You know, like, really? Do you, can you ever show your face without 19 pounds of makeup on? Can we really see what your skin looks like? How about that? She doesn't mean it, Kim. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying who, because I think the whole family is guilty in one way or another of it. But, you know... When we talk about how you can kill 
success. Well, well let's let's stay with that because Toxic? because because okay. you, you've mentioned something about the Kardashians. We have we don't have much time left, but you've you've defended them in a way, and I haven't attacked them. I'm just saying, well, what what are they representing? But the thing is that they are successful in many ways, and they do have their trials and tribulations like everybody else. But their public persona is one that's really shallow in many ways. It's how it's how the it's how the directors and producers present it to the public. So I haven't listened to it or watched it, but if you see the news, if you see, I mean, recently Kim Kardashian wore Monroe's vintage dress. Stunning. Yeah, I forget which Stun- awards it absolutely, was. But. Absolutely stunning. It was the, the Met Ball in, the Met in, Ball. in New yes. York. Yes, yes. And she, she looked absolutely stunning. And I thought, good on you. you. You've brought something from, you know, Marilyn Monroe days. You're wearing it stunningly. You're a very beautiful woman. Um, and I believe also she's becoming a lawyer. She passed the bar. Oh, she did she, pass the she bar. Did well pass done. The bar. Well, congratulations. It took many Kim. times, but, but she I think it. I yes. think that maybe the producers of these shows, etc., could do a little bit more about the work they do. That's a work. It's a job. Of it's course. a job. And I don't think we get that as no, you the public. And you don't get it from the shows, but I, I do know Kim donates to a lot of really amazing Absolutely. We charities. need to hear more of that because unfortunately, Kim Kardashian and the family are in leadership roles for our youth. Of course. And we need sometimes to be told and spoon-fed, well, in actual fact, we work so hard. This doesn't come out of a box this way. And by the way, we do all these other things too. Right. And it's not just because we have a And what's the Met Ball about? It's about raising work. money for charity. Yeah. And that's never go. mentioned. It's always a fashion show. You're right about so, that. So it's that's what I'm saying. I think, I think who, the what, press, I think the press and producers and filmmakers and TV documenters all need to think about Give the whole picture, not just the, not just the fluff, not just the gravy. Give, give the guts of it. And explain why. It's also important yeah. to understand why someone is dedicated to a specific well, cause. Well, I think, I think the Kardashians, from what you're saying today, and you know, you're, you're influencing my opinion, they are um, contributing, as Emerson would state, that, that they are winning the affection of children and, and getting the the awards of intelligent people. And they are smart people, but that needs to be put over to our youth so the youth don't think, I need a fur coat or fake fur coat, uh, a big diamond ring. Or fake lips. Exactly. You know, a big fake butt, something like that. So what's success to you listening to this? We're coming to a wrap shortly. What is success to you? Go on our website, go on our social media, give us feedback. We want to know from you on how to share more of this and make more of an impact on you, our listeners. And think about as well, what does success mean to you? Because I know Michael and I could sit here for hours and talk about different meanings of what that is. Real people, raw talk, raw talk, real people. Raw talk, real people. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Raw Talk, Real People. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find current and archive episodes at our website, powerofyoupodcast.com. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes.